0: Amen. Well, I hope that you are ready for 2023. You are excited about a new year uh, because it could be maybe 2022 was... Uh, very difficult, a hard uh, year for you and you're ready for something new, a change, or maybe 2022 was a fantastic year and you just wanna keep it rolling. But in any case, I hope that we are all uh, excited about coming into a new year. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you've got uh, some new year's resolutions that you are gonna put in place or maybe just some kind of changes you wanna put in place in your life or maybe just so, some way you wanna improve your life. I hope for all of us, whatever we want to label it, I hope that some way we want to improve our life uh, moving into this new year, that maybe it's improve our habits or improve our character or improve our health or relationships or whatever it might be. Uh, Let's not waste the opportunity to improve our lives and who God has called us to be. Now, as we do that, if we're going to make some improvements, here's what I know that we have to have. Whatever you have in place that you want to make better in your life, you're going to need some community around you. Uh, We need community, number one, for accountability. Uh, We need community for support. And we need community for resources to be who we want to be, who God's called us to be. And God has given us this wonderful community that we call the church. And it provides all of those things. It provides accountability, it provides support, it provides resources for us to live the life and be the people that God has called us to be. And I love this family called the church. I've given my life to it, to the call that God has given us, the mission that God has given us to impact the world, to leave a legacy for the kingdom of God. And as I think about this word church, it's a word that we throw around a lot. And we're going to spend some time reflecting on it today about what that means and what the call is on us as we commit ourselves to it. Now, a couple of things that we need to remember about this word church, about the, the truth of the church before we move any forward. And the first thing I want to lift up is that we need to understand that the church is God's church. It's not my church it's not your church, it belongs to God and it is for God's purposes. And we might need to remember that sometimes when we get frustrated, uh, maybe times when we're disappointed, when our preferences aren't met. And especially when we're making decisions together, formally for the church, or even for our families in our own lives. We need to remember that we are part of something that doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. The second thing that we need to remember about the church is that God established the church. In Acts chapter two, after Jesus had died and he rose again just like he said he was gonna do and he had appeared to the believers, to the disciples and he sent them out on mission. They were gathered together and the Holy Spirit filled those who were gathered. They began to speak in languages and they were filled with power and they began to immediately share the good news about Jesus and the church was born. And God established this movement and this family to do what he wants to do. And here's what that means for us, is that the success of the church does not rise on our success. And likewise, the failure of the church does not fall on our failures. That God has a purpose and a plan and it's by his power and it will come to be based on what God wants to be. And we do well to remember that so much of the time, we carry a weight that, well, I can't step into this place because what if I mess up? Listen, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about God who established this whole thing. And the third thing that we need to remember is that Jesus makes a promise to the church that as God moves through us together, nothing will overcome this gathering, this family, or the mission that God has given us. And I wanna start off today for us to look at that promise. What is the promise that Jesus made to the church, unique to the church, that nothing in the world will overcome what God is doing through us? So we're gonna be, if you have your Bible or your smartphone, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 16, and we're gonna read verses 13 through 18. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Let me just pause there for a second. What, what would your response to be? If Jesus showed up in your world today and he said, who do you say I am, what would your response be? That's the question he asked the disciples. Who do the people say the son of man is? Verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah are one of the prophets. So Jesus makes a powerful promise there that he's going to build his church and not even the gates of Hades will overcome his church. Now let's stop for just a second. Let's ask the question, well, what is the church? What is this promise that Jesus makes and to who is he making it? What is this body called the church? Well, the word for church here is the word ecclesia. Uh, you've probably heard of that. We, we love to call Sunday school classes and, and small groups that, ecclesia or Bible studies. We love to call it that. But it literally means an assembly. And it is a word that those early followers of Christ borrowed from the Romans because this was a word that the Romans used. It was a political word. An ecclesia was an assembly that was gathered together by the emperor for a very specific purpose. And that purpose was, is to go throughout the empire and to tell others about a decree or a law or something that the emperor wanted to see happen. And it was the role of this assembly to go share that news with the empire. And Jesus comes and he says, you know what? I have an agenda for the world. And to tell you the truth, there is a ruler of the world. There is a king of the world and there's only one. And it's the son of man. It's the son of God who's been given authority over all things. And I want to see some things happening in the world. And so Jesus has gathered an assembly to go throughout the world To share God's agenda about God's kingdom that he wants to see break into the world that he created. And so it is not just a gathering where we come and and we hear a a message or we sing some songs. But it literally is a movement of God where we are assembled not to come together. But just just for the sake of coming together. But to come together that we can go out into the world to share God's news. That's the ecclesia, that's the church. And to this gathering, Jesus made a promise. But before he made a promise, he took the disciples to a very specific place to make, make a very specific point. Now, leading up to this point, this conversation Jesus had, he has a, a, a several conversations with the disciples where he tells them, listen guys, we have to go to Jerusalem And when we get to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. uh, And eventually I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. But don't worry, I'm going to rise again from the dead. And so from where Jesus and the disciples are, they need to head south to go to Jerusalem. But just after he tells them that they need to go south and go to Jerusalem, instead he turns the other way and he goes north to a place called Caesarea Philippi, where he asks them this question, who do you say I am? And the reason that he went to Caesarea Philippi is because Jesus has an object lesson for them in that place. Because in Caesarea Philippi was a very specific place of worship. It had uh, three places of worship, but two of those three uh, were temples that were built in that time to worship two different gods. There was a temple there to worship Caesar, the emperor, and there was a temple there to worship Pan the Greek God of creation. And so in this place, Caesarea Philippi, Jesus takes them. There is the political center of worship, where we worship the ruler of this world. And there was the cultural center of worship, where we worship the, the place of the people and, and what people say we should be about. And in the back of that place, with a temple to Pan, they would go to the back and there was a cave that went down and it, dropped off and there was a river that ran out from that cave and they called that cave, the gates of hell or the gates of Hades. And they would make sacrifices to the God of Pan, sometimes human sacrifices. And if the blood ran out through the river and the river ran red, then that sacrifice is acceptable. And if it did not, they'd have to do it again. And so in this place, Jesus says, not even the gates of Hades will prevail over this assembly that I'm bringing together. And so what I want us to see here is the reason Jesus brings them to this place is because his promise is attached to a choice that the disciples have to make. Are you going to choose to worship the political system? Are you going to choose to worship the culture? Or are you going to choose to worship and serve me? It is the same choice that we have to make. And when we look around, y'all, it's not hard to realize that our political system is a mess. It is broken. And yet, we continue to look there for a savior, even those of us in the church. I mean, how many of us, of our hope, rises and falls based on what's happening in the political system? Another choice we have to make is, will we worship the culture? It is not hard to look around and realize that our culture is a mess and yet many of us still look to the culture to define what we believe to be true even though we can see the brokenness of it and we have truth in our God who's come to earth. We had a choice to make. And as we choose to serve Jesus and Jesus alone, not Jesus plus something, but serve him and worship him alone, there's a promise in our assembly, in our gathering, in this movement where Jesus says, listen, when you come and you follow and you serve me and you're part of my kingdom, nothing is going to overwhelm or overcome or stop that movement. Not the political system, not the cultural world, not even the gates of heaven hell itself in the spiritual realm is going to overcome this movement. And that's why we gather and we might forget that sometimes and we might come for other reasons and other purposes and and show up for a a variety of different reasons. But deep down, we usually understand that this is why we gather is this mission that God has given us, this mission that will not be overwhelmed or overcome or stopped by anything. And we thought it was fitting as we step into this new year to remind ourselves of that mission and specifically to ask, what does that mission mean for us? How do we tangibly live that out? And I said at the beginning of the service that those of you who call Get Well Home to the point where you've joined it as a member, you made a covenant to live out that mission as a part of the body. And you've committed yourself not only to God, but to one another, to hold accountable and to serve one another and to live that out. And we want to spend some time reflecting on that commitment that we've made. So that those of us who are members can remember that commitment and renew that commitment. And those of us who are, you're just trying to get well out and you've been here for a while, that you can know our heart and what we want to long for, what we want to pursue together. So I'm gonna invite up Pastor Hunter Upton. Uh, He's gonna help me walk through these. These are in your bulletin, the back of your bulletin, if you're here in the room today. And let's just spend some time prayerfully reflecting on what is it that we are called to together as this assembly of god this ecclesia so hunter you're going to get us started
1: yeah so good morning glad to be here Uh, thank you for sharing with me this morning Uh, it's so great uh, the gift of the church that god has given us and grateful that we get to join in this work together uh, and some of the commitments that we've made with one another had to be reminded about this morning and so uh, let's talk about the first one which is I will submit to Scripture as the ultimate authority um, friends this is the one part to me uh, one of the greatest parts that sets us apart from many others in this world uh, and even kind of within the church but we live in a day and age where truth seems to be uh, anything that you want it to Uh, people frankly seem to just kind of place truth in whatever they want and oftentimes they find their truth rooted in themselves and I don't know if you're like me, uh, but I, I am very wishy-washy uh, sometimes. One moment I like one thing, the next moment I don't. Uh, I think about whenever it's time to choose something for dinner, we run through the 15 options and then finally we just settle on something, right? Because you're like, well, we just have to eat, so whatever will work, right? Well, the same is true of the world and the way that truth works is you start running through what is truth and you, you just pick something, right, a lot of times. And so what we have to do as the church is find that place, find that thing that we're going to root ourselves into as our ultimate authority, and God has given us a great gift in scripture. Uh, through it, we find uh, his revelation to us. It guides us. It shows us the life uh, that we are to live. It gives us everything we need uh, to understand and know salvation. Um, I think about the fact that for many uh, centuries now, we have had God's word written down and uh, in his providence, he has, he has given it to us. We, we have a Bible that we get to hold that we can go to day after day to, to see his heart Uh, to hear his voice, uh, even if we don't hear it audibly all the time. But God wants to speak to us, to show us his love, to show his heart for this world and how we are to spur each other on uh, to that. And so uh, this uh, is all about, this first commitment is all about us submitting ourselves to the authority of the word, not standing over it and judging it for ourselves and saying, I like this part, I don't like that part. But to say, Lord, what is it that you desire for me? What is it that you desire for our church? And submitting ourselves uh, to that. So that's our first one is that we submit to Scripture as the ultimate authority.
0: The second commitment we make is that we commit to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth. Uh, I love what James says, James 4, verses 7 through 10. It reminds us that we have to submit to God, run away from the devil, pursue Jesus, pursue God, and God will come close to us. And we have to humble ourselves before him. And there's a growth that happens in us. And I and our staff and the leaders of our church, we love this church and we love you. But as much as we love you, we cannot do the work that God can do in your life and in your family. There's just many things, most of the things, that God wants to do in and through you that that we cannot manufacture on a Sunday morning. And what we hope for is that a Sunday is a celebration, a culmination of all the things that God is doing through the week. As you dive into his word, as you spend time with God in prayer, as you worship on your own, as you build community outside of this room on a Sunday, because the church is not just an hour on Sunday, it's the, the gathering and the movement in every day, in every moment of your life. And you've got to take responsibility for that. That There's so much more. If, if all we're getting is an hour on a Sunday, It is diminishing the work that God wants to do in your life. And for those of us who are parents and grandparents, it even goes beyond us. It's to our children and grandchildren as well that we take responsibility. That it's not just dropping a kid off on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. It's about taking the responsibility to teach and grow and support and encourage and, and disciple the next generation to carry out the mission of God And we each have to take the weight of that, the responsibility of that,
1: to make that happen. Yeah. Our third uh, point, uh, commitment, is I will commit to pray for the church, its leaders, and its ministry. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think about whenever I first stepped foot in this church for the very first time... Uh, was that something was very different about this place. And maybe you felt the same whenever you stepped foot for the very first time. Yes, God's spirit here, and I think that that very much is uh, part of it. But I think there's something special about the fact that people pray in this church. This place is covered with prayer. Its ministry is covered with prayer. And for us as, as followers of Jesus, those of us who are committed to this church, like we, we need to pray for this church, pray for its ministry, pray for its leaders, pray for its future. Uh, there's just so much beauty that comes from that. Because here's the thing is that even with our best laid plans, um, Jonathan and I, we, we vision, we pray, we seek God. But without the prayers of our people. Um, even our best laid plans will fall short of the God-sized impact that he wants to make in our, in our church, in our community, and in our world through Getwell Church. And so we've got to commit to praying for this church and her people and her ministry and what God wants to accomplish through it. Because prayer moves God to action. Prayer brings forth wisdom uh, that we need. Prayer thwarts the, the plans of the enemy. Uh, that's one of the huge things that we need to pray about. And prayer just has to be part of our lives uh, as members of this church. Uh, if you want to see God's plan and purpose happen through Getwell Church, then you need to, to really put yourself in that place of praying of daily seeking the Lord, uh, daily asking him to pour out his wisdom, pour out his spirit more and more upon this place. And, you know, I, I think that the reason why there is a church on this hill still, after all this year, all, all these years, is because of people praying and seeking God's face and seeking his uh, good and his will and his desire uh, for Get Well Church. And so we want to commit to that. Uh, we want to continue in that. Uh, and, and see what God is going to do as he gives us vision for the future uh, and as he gives us strength for today uh, and bright hope for tomorrow. And that's just a beautiful thing that we get to experience as we come to him. We commune with him uh, daily, but pray for this place and these people, the families around you, uh, the ministry that happens here day in and day out. And y'all, there's so much ministry that happens. Uh, but not just in these walls, but even outside these walls. And it's such an awesome thing to, to join with God uh, in that,
0: It might be a good opportunity for us to tell everybody to come back next week, Yeah, because next week we're going to start a four-week conversation about what happens when we pray. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so make sure you come back and, and bring somebody with you. Yeah. All right. The next commitment that we make is that I will commit to be present in the life of Getwell Church as often as I am able. Uh, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 tells us, do not neglect meeting with one another as so many are in the habit of doing. Uh, we need life with each other. Uh, we need this gathering because it uh, reshapes our view into a kingdom view of God instead of just a worldly view, and and that's so very important. We need life with one another in life groups and, and other gatherings so that we can support and encourage and hold one another accountable. Uh, Because we are the body of Christ and there's two sides to that coin as the body of Christ as we belong to one another. Uh, One side of it is I really hope and I pray that as we do life together you benefit and you grow and you are supported and encouraged and and you grow in your knowledge and understanding and your faith. But really what I want to focus on is the other side of that coin that you belong to others because at some point somebody's going to need you. Life is hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm so keenly aware of that in my own life and as a pastor, that life is just hard. And sometimes life is so hard that I can't do it by myself. And we need other people to walk with us. Sometimes we need other people to have faith for us or we need other people to have strength for us or we need other people to comfort us. And here's what I know is it's very difficult to get faith or encouragement or comfort from a stranger. Hmm. That we need people that know us and love us, and we've got to do life with each other. And it's not enough to just see somebody at the end of the row one hour a week. We've got to be embedded in our life with each other uh, and committed to one another to do life with each other, to be present in the lives of the church and the, the people who gather as a church so that we can be the body together.
1: Now, The church is such a gift, such a gift. Our next uh, commitment that we want to make is I will commit to give financially and I understand that the tithe is the benchmark. And friends, this is such an important uh, part and aspect of our shared life together. Uh, And oftentimes it's the one that I think that we kind of shrink back from because, you know, we think that we've earned our money and all this kind of stuff, but that's another time and another topic. But the thing is, is that we want to commit to giving to the church financially because we want to see the ministry, the, the, the work that God wants to do through the church. And that has to happen, uh, by our gifts and, and our offering uh, through our financial resources. And so why does the church exist? We've talked about it, but it's to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, right? I mean, the world is, is hurting. The world is in need. Uh, we all are here because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can you imagine how much more work we can do, uh, as we give cheerfully to what God wants to do through his church. And so my challenge this morning, it's not so much to convince you to to give a tithe, uh, which is 10% uh, of your income, uh, but is to grow where you're giving. To grow where you're at right now. Whatever it is that you are giving, to grow in that this year. We're starting this new year. It's a great time to start reevaluating what we got to do. Uh, but if you've never given before, this isn't like, I'm going to beat you over the head with it, but if you've never given before, start to give just a little bit, even if that's what you can like start somewhere. It's so important to do that. If you've been giving regularly and you've done it for a long time, maybe the Lord's saying, Hey, what's a little bit more? Because here's the thing about tithing and us giving financially to the church and the ministry that God wants to accomplish through it is that everything we have isn't really ours. It's all a gift from God anyway. And that what we do when we give is that we trust God. we trust God that he's going to use that money for what he wants to accomplish, but we also trust that he's going to continue to provide for us exactly what we need. And friends, my own testimony as us as me and Keaton as a couple is that we've trusted God with that, and sometimes we look at each other and go, "I don't know what we're going to do this month, but God's going to get his money, and God's going to do something and every time, time and time again, he's provided for us exactly what we need. I want that to be the same story that you have. Uh, well, I want you to experience that blessing that God wants to give as we give to Him, as we trust Him in that. And so I just want to encourage you. I want to push you a little bit on that uh, today is uh, of all the areas, if this is one that you really struggle with, choose this one to really lean into and say, God, I'm going to trust you. We're going to see what you're going to do, and let's just see what blessing he brings not only to you personally, but to the church as well as we do more and more ministry is what God has called us to. Uh, So much joy can come from that.
0: All right, next, I will explore my spiritual gifts and put them to use in the church. Being the body of Christ means that we have functions that need to be lived out with one another. love the way Paul says it in 1st Corinthians 12 and he goes through this description if the eye didn't want to be an eye anymore if the foot didn't want to be a foot anymore would that cease to be uh, the part of the body of course not and that we honor one another and we have a purpose and everything about you and your life God wants to use for the purpose that he has in your life to love people to love God to make Jesus known in the world so your life experiences your history uh, your disposition your personality your talents But also these things called spiritual gifts. What I've discovered about so many of us in America is that we're kind of uncomfortable with the spiritual world. We like to be aware of it and we want to go to heaven for sure. But we're not really comfortable diving into this spiritual world that is all around us and embracing that. And as part of that spiritual world, when a person puts their faith in Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we're given a spiritual gift that is only intended to build up the body. And there are descriptions of that in Scripture. One of those places is 1 Corinthians 12 and the roles that we have, whether it's knowledge or faith or uh, speaking in languages or interpreting or discerning spirits or leadership or pastoring or teaching. These gifts that God has given us to build up the church and many of us in America, we're unaware of our spiritual gifts and we're certainly not putting them to use. And our heartbeat as leaders is, we, listen, we do not want you to take a piece of paper that has a bunch of roles that have to be done for a Sunday or a Wednesday at Get well Church to happen and just check a box and think that you've done your duty. We want you to fall in love with your purpose We want you to fall in love with how God has wired you and the spiritual gifts that God has given you and to live out the exciting adventure of using those for the glory of God. There are lots of things I could say about uh, the church and life of God, about it being hard, difficult, scary. But one thing that it is not, should not be, is boring. Hmm. And if you're bored in your faith, I'll give you a remedy, is to explore and put to use your spiritual gifts for God's glory without any boundary or things, you know, holding back. Lord, I'm all in. I'm going to use this for you. And if you're not sure what that is, let us have a conversation with you, one of our staff, one of our leaders, and say, let's figure this out. Let's explore it. Let's let's put something into place and see what happens. Because I promise you God's going to show up. You're going to live an exciting, adventurous life. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be all that God has for you and all that God wants for you. There's a reward waiting for us in heaven. Uh, And it is not so small as to do a favor for the church. It is you getting to be a part of the kingdom of God and seeing what only God can do and seeing the miracles of God as, as you give your life to him. That's what we want to see. It's not that we want something from you. It's we want for you this adventure with God and all
1: that he wants to do in your life. Yeah, And so our our final one here, uh, and we've talked about a lot of points today uh, that I believe really make us a well-rounded disciple or well-rounded follower of Jesus that help us to really live into our purpose as his church uh, and this one here is 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 no different I think it kind of brings it all uh, together uh, but it's that I will seek to live a life that uh, honors God and points others to Him. and so uh, Paul writes in Romans 12 uh, 1 through 2 he says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and pop- proper worship Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. what, What Paul is urging us to do here is to live a life that honors God and that points others to him, which is why we want to make this commitment uh, together. See, God wants our whole lives, not just part of us or just parts of us. Uh, He's in the business of bringing dead things to life. And whenever he does that, he doesn't want to just bring the arm to life. He wants to bring the whole body, the whole self, our spirit, everything about us uh, to true and abundant life that only he can offer. And so every aspect of our lives is, is covered in that. And that's what, he desires. So we want to submit ourselves uh, to God's work in our lives as as he uses us, as he changes us, as he transforms us, as he renews our minds, as we walk with him each and every day. Uh, And through that transformation that happens in us, y'all, God uses us To point others to him in so many ways. Yes, he uses signs, he uses miracles, he uses every other, he uses creation in so many ways. There's so many other ways, but he uses the crown of his creation, you and I, his children, in huge ways to point others to him. And what a joy and what a privilege and what a responsibility that is that as we walk with him, he uses us to show others to be the light to others, to give them the good news that we've experienced. And so we want to commit to doing that, to walk in day in and day out with him uh, and pointing others to him along the way.
0: Here's our heart on this and the heart of our leaders. This is not about a spirit of judgment or condemnation or these lofty expectations that somebody's going to come down on you if you don't live up to it. It's really not even a spirit of you doing something for the church. The spirit of this is that this is the blessed way to live. And it's the life that God has created us for. And what I've discovered so many times as I've fallen and gotten back up and embraced the life of the church again and again and again is that this life is better than the life that the world offers. And it's... And the deepest place of my being, what I want for you. And I don't want to water it down or be ashamed of it or, or back off of it. This is a responsibility as well. It's the life that we have to step up to with the help and the empowerment of God by His Spirit. The Spirit gives understanding and power and ability to do what pleases God. The ability and the understanding that we cannot find from human reasoning or human effort but it is a blessed way of living when we submit to him and it breaks my heart that much of the time the church across our part of the world is watered down it's ashamed of the life that we're called to we we, we embrace tolerance more than mission because we think that we can't be tolerant or intolerant of sin and loving of people at the same time uh, We're often more tolerant of sin in our own lives than what God would call us to. But when we step up to this life, this calling, it is the blessed way to live. And Christ enables us to do it, if we'll let Him. In just a moment, we're going to come to Holy Communion, and we're going to be reminded, as the Holy Spirit works in this place and in our hearts, That it is not by effort or reason that we come to this place, but it is by God's initiating work through Christ who came to the earth to give his body and his blood. If we'll receive it. And by that act of Jesus, when we receive it, guess what? We are made one body. I'm reminded of the prayer that Jesus lifted up for us just before he went to the cross. Do you remember what that prayer was? Uh, It it was not a prayer of prayer protect us from the hard things of the world. It was not a prayer to make life easy. Uh, It was not a prayer of give them some kind of unique and special knowledge. The prayer of Jesus is that we would be one and that we would be unified. And what would we be unified by? By his spirit and his mission. That's the heart of this, is that we'd be unified as one by the spirit of God, by the mission of God. And we'd be excited about it and passionate about it because we know that Jesus has come to us rather than asking us to come to him. And he enables us with the understanding, the power and the ability to live it out as he gives his life.